U.S. President Joe Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, says that Washington will take, quote, every action that we can take to prevent a Chinese attack on Taiwan. During a Tuesday press briefing, Sullivan was asked if the U.S. was prepared to react if China tried to take over Taiwan. He replied that the U.S. intended to take every action it could to ensure Taiwan's security. The United States is going to take every action that we can take from the point of view of both deterrence and diplomacy to make sure that the Taiwan scenario you just described never happens. In a warning to China, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan stressed that every effort would be made to ensure Taiwan's security. And with respect to Taiwan, the sum total of the efforts we've undertaken over the course of the past eight months in the Indo-Pacific have also all been geared towards avoiding any kind of scenario where China chooses to invade. Joining the U.S. in backing Taiwan was former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo. In an exclusive interview with Japan's Fuji Television, Abe brought up Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor 80 years ago. He said that at that time, Japan had, quote, misjudged the global geopolitical situation. He said he hoped that other countries won't make the same mistake. Of course, Japan knows very well what happens after launching a war. Abe's remarks are a reminder to cherish a hard-won peace. Several days earlier, Abe said publicly that a Taiwan emergency would be a Japan emergency. When asked for clarification by Japan media, he said that the distinction between wartime and peacetime was increasingly blurred. Even if China does not launch a full-on cyber attack or military invasion against Taiwan, it could attack an offshore island and cause chaos, he said. If Japan allows this to unfold, he said, Japan itself could be attacked, and that would affect Japan's national security. He said that Japan may provide support to the U.S. and other allies. The U.S., Japan and even Australia and the South Pacific are all expressing concerns about this situation. Each country, through its legislation or the speeches of politicians, is demonstrating that China's military aggression is drawing a global opposition and containment effort. For the U.S. and Japan, Taiwan's security is firmly at the top of the agenda. The lawmaker said that the harder China pushes other nations, the harder the backlash will be. Taiwanese expats in America are throwing their support behind U.S. pork. Dialing into a Taiwanese talk show, U.S.-based expats touted the safety of American pork. They also emphasized that allowing U.S. imports was key to Taiwan's accession to global trade organizations. The issue of U.S. pork containing rectopamine is one of four referendum questions that will go up for a vote in Taiwan on December 18th. This is the international standard, but some people in Taiwan are calling it poisoned pork. That's not good. That's an insult. Emphasizing that American pork is not poisoned pork, former ambassador-at-large Yang Huang Meising says that a green light for U.S. pork imports is key to Taiwan's accession to international trade organizations. If you object to it, the U.S. won't discuss trade with you. Trade agreements are reciprocal. The CPTPP is under Japan's leadership at the moment. This is our chance. Yang Huang had lived in the U.S. for decades before returning to settle in Taiwan. On the talk show, she backed the decision to allow U.S. pork imports. Taiwanese expats in the U.S. also dialed in to express support. 
U.S. pork is eaten in hundreds of countries all over the world. The U.S.'s 300 million people eat it. Today, Taiwan wants to join the CPTPP. Dozens of its member countries eat it. If you oppose it, you will not be able to join. You'll become an orphan of the world. The Taiwanese Association of America issued a statement addressing the upcoming referendum. It said that referendums were an important democratic mechanism. It said that the KMT had long stood opposed to referendums, yet now was proactively promoting them. The party's motives for pushing the upcoming vote are questionable, the statement continued. <laughs> Taiwanese at home and abroad must work hard to oppose unreasonable referendums for the sake of their own future and the future of their children and grandchildren. The U.S. is Taiwan's second largest trade partner. There are quite a few people and companies in Taiwan that need to do business with America in order to feed their families. The U.S.'s perception of Taiwan can determine the future development of Taiwan-U.S. economic and trade relations. Voices from Taiwan and the U.S. spoke out in favor of U.S. pork imports. In Los Angeles, Taiwan expats held a press conference to make their stance known. Bringing out dishes including braised pork trotter and soy stewed pork, they called on Taiwan nationals to support U.S. imports and vote no in the upcoming referendum. New services will be added to Taiwan's train network ahead of the 4-in-1 referendum on December 18th. The Taiwan Railways Administration has announced eight extra services from Friday, December 17th to Sunday, December 19th. The high-speed rail will add eight trips on December 17th. Seed reservations will open this Friday. Turning now to Taipei Main Station, where walk-in COVID vaccinations are underway. The pop-up vaccine clinic is now in its fourth day, and the crowds are showing no signs of letting up. To meet the demand, the CECC has decided to keep the clinic open an extra three days until December 12th. In related news, the CECC is expanding its vaccination or testing policy, which previously applied only to personnel at 24 types of venues, including daycares and universities. It's now asking for priority groups to get vaccinated by next Friday or be subject to COVID testing every week. Completed forms are checked over by staff. There's a long line for COVID shots at Taipei Main Station, and even getting through ID screening requires a wait. It's already the fourth day of vaccinations here, and the station is now administering vaccines at three locations. Even so, the lobby is still packed with people. I had some spare time, so I was able to come out here. I can't book appointments that are in the evening or in the morning. I also can't read the Chinese on the booking system. My blood pressure has been more stable these past two days, so I thought I should hurry up and get a shot. I came here before one. The end of the queue was all the way over there. At Taipei Main Station, Moderna is available to everyone without an appointment. To meet strong demand, the CECC deployed more medical staff to the station. It's also extended the vaccination period for three days to December 12th. Everyone in Taiwan is eligible for a shot, regardless of nationality. After the jab, they'll receive a 100 NT supermarket voucher. In the clinic's first three days, more than 5,600 people were inoculated. So far, there's been a surge of demand at Taipei Main Station and clinics at supermarkets and department stores. Together, they've administered all 34,000 Moderna doses that were going to expire on December 7th. There are fewer than 40,000 doses that will expire on December 12th. 
We will administer the Moderna vaccine until December 21st. We will provide promotional materials, that is, a gift, to encourage people to get vaccinated. Also on Wednesday, the CECC expanded its vaccination or testing policy to more groups of people. The policy now also applies to the first three priority groups and priority group seven. These are healthcare workers, epidemic prevention personnel in the government, frontline workers and essential workers. In addition, employees of correctional facilities and funeral parlors will also be required to get their second dose by December 17th or undergo weekly COVID testing. These are actually people who were previously prioritized for vaccination. Our hope is to encourage them to get fully vaccinated as soon as possible. In the first and second priority groups, 94% of people are fully vaccinated. In the third and seventh priority groups, only 88% are fully vaccinated. In related news, the CECC announced that second doses will be administered to students aged 12 to 17 starting December 15th. A Taipei adoption program is seeking donations for children who are still waiting for a happy home. Due to the pandemic, children at the Garden of Hope Foundation in Taipei are waiting longer than ever to be adopted. The foundation has launched a fundraiser to support their care. For most news reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. This is Ling Ling. She was given up to a foundation when she was 45 days old. Early on, her caretakers discovered that her development was slower than that of other children. They sought out intensive medical treatment to support her special needs. She is slower than the average child, but because her nanny has worked with her extensively, she is able to keep up. In addition to her intensive training at home, she still has to go back routinely for physician follow-ups. The Garden of Hope Foundation in Taipei is holding a fundraiser to support adoptable children like Ling Ling. Over the past three years, its adoption program has taken in a rising number of children with special needs. It's also been caring for the children for longer periods of time. Due to COVID border controls and restrictions, it now takes at least one year on average before an adoptable child finds a family. In the past, the Garden of Hope Foundation took an average of four to six months to help children find a suitable adoptive family. In the past few years, we've seen a rising rate of special needs children. More care and support or medical resources are needed to help the children find a suitable adoptive family. The Garden of Hope Foundation says it costs 42000 a month to care for an adoptable child and that it still has 15 children waiting for a loving home. Donations, which can be made online, will go toward the children's medical care, nanny fees, food and other living expenses. The Garden of Hope Foundation in Taipei began providing adoption services in 2009 and has since helped to place 160 children in new families. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Entry-level staff at state-owned enterprises could be in line for a raise. Taiwan's economics minister says she supports a 4% raise for entry-level staff and fresh recruits at government-owned companies. Let's hear from the minister. We have indeed made inquiries over this issue, but the protocols at the Directorate General of Personnel Administration will take time. In my capacity as minister, I very much support a raise for entry-level employees. We can use 4% as a jumping-off point during this assessment. Staff at state-owned enterprises could also be getting a new child care benefit. One measure being considered is paid time off for child care every workday. 
this is modeled after a perk that Zhonghua Telecom will offer starting next year. Employees with children up to three years old can clock out early or late by one hour with no impact on their salary or performance assessments. The Taiwan Railways Administration gave a sneak peek of its new EMU 3000 Intercity Express on Wednesday. Passengers in Taidong were able to hop on the electric train and go on a short test ride. Taiwan has ordered 50 EMU 3000s from the Japanese conglomerate Hitachi. The first train delivered will enter service on December 29th, while another four will be ready for Spring Festival. With its sleek, minimalist design in black and white, the EMU 3000 is the pinnacle of elegance. The train pulls slowly into the platform, which is full of passengers eager to hop on. Wearing flower crowns, they're happy as clams as they pose for photos with the new train. The TRA's new Intercity EMU 3000 offered its first trial service to the public on Wednesday. The train offers spacious and bright interiors, with charging ports on every seat. Braille signage is up all over the train, which also has dedicated accessible spaces. First of all, it's very stable. The seats are spacious. It's not bad at all. It's squeaky clean. It doesn't sway as badly. This is the business class car. The seats are more comfy. Passengers heap high praise on the new train. One whips out a selfie stick to snap a shot. The EMU 3000 is a 12-car train with 538 seats. That's 40% more capacity than the Taroko Express and the Puyuma Express. The EMU 3000 takes about 15 minutes longer than the Puyuma Express to travel from Taipei to Taidong. But the tickets cost the same. 783 NT for standard and 1,145 NT for business class. The EMU 3000 will formally enter service on December 29th. As soon as I stepped in, I could tell that the seats would be very comfortable. I can't wait for the trains to bring joy to passengers on the East Coast. The first train in the first group has already cleared all the testing protocols and the paperwork has all been inspected and approved. Once other trains complete their tests, we'll add them to the circulation. We hope to have five by the Lunar New Year. Passengers gaze out the window to take in the stunning mountains, golden fields and big blue skies of eastern Taiwan. In the future, the TRA plans to replace its old rolling stock with 50 EMU 3000s totaling 600 cars. The new trains will offer a more comfortable ride home to East Coast residents. Two capybaras staged a brief escape from Taipei Zoo on Tuesday. The two of them, a mother and her daughter, had walked out of their enclosure, which was left open due to renovation work. They made it to a visitor's footpath before being stopped by staff. Using a giant board, zookeeper slowly glided, guided the mother and daughter into a cage over 20 leisurely minutes. Let's hear from a spokesman. After we thought of a spot, we slowly guided them there. Then, on the viewing bridge, we coaxed them into a cage. The operation started at 1.05, and our guided tour was over in 20 minutes, and we were able to get them back. In related news, a baby penguin named Amejang made its public debut in Taipei Zoo on Wednesday. The two-month-old chick is still covered in brown down feathers, which gives it the appearance of a kiwi fruit. Amejang is the first penguin born at Taipei Zoo in seven years. 
Shoshan Zoo in Kaohsiung is over 40 years old. It had to go on hiatus during the COVID-19 pandemic, rely on live streaming to give fans a glimpse of the animals. But renovations are well underway while the zoo is closed. Zookeepers are adamant the zoo will reopen in April next year. In the meantime, they're enjoying the patter of very tiny feet. A newborn baby sloth lies in its mother's arm. The bundle of joy belly opens its eyes as it chews languidly on a bit of sweet potato leaf. Here in Kaohsiung, Shoshan Zoo is undergoing renovations as part of the new zoo campaign. Since it closed its doors in May, it has welcomed its youngest denizen. This tiny little sloth was born in late October. At a month old, its sex was still undetermined. It's the second child of its mom, whose name is Baby. Baby is a very maternal sloth. The little sloth spends all day lying on its mom's tummy. The zoo's duty is to protect animals, but also to give its charges comfortable and spacious homes. Kaohsiung Deputy Mayor Charles Lin was at the zoo to inspect the renovations. The latest news is that the zoo plans to focus on becoming a top destination for parents and children. There's a skywalk that's more than 830 meters long. It's about 2.4 meters wide. You can go up on it, even pushing a buggy. All the works are well ahead of schedule. It will definitely completely reopen in September next year. A partial reopening will begin in April. Early bird tickets will be available from April onward. But while the zoo has been shut for the pandemic, its four-legged inhabitants have never stopped being adorable. Ali the elephant cools off with a spurt of water. Then he sidles up to his human as if looking for a pet. The zoo has been live-streaming through the pandemic, and the stream attracted more than 2,000 views in its first two hours. Although Kaohsiung residents can't head to the zoo right now, they can still keep up with the animals online. And hopefully by this time next year, you can pay the creatures an in-person visit once more. A 17-year-old from Pingdong has become the youngest ever recipient of the National Bada Eight Virtues Award. Huang Chunyou received the award for his voluntary work filling potholes in the road. He follows in the footsteps of his father, who has also won the prize. After decades of altruistic service, the two of them have made Pingdong's roads safer for everyone. A rope leveling machine flattens tarmac. 17-year-old Huang Chuan-yeo is totally absorbed in his work. He's out here stoically, rain or shine, filling potholes. It does get hot. You just get used to it. Then it's not tough. You just have to keep going. His father, Huang Jinsai, has been resurfacing dodgy roads out of his own pocket for decades. Huang Sr. began the project before Chen Yeo's mother was even on the scene. Chen Yeo has helped out since second grade, when his dad would get him up early on Sunday mornings to help with the materials. Now he can lift bags of cement and drive the road leveler. Working on the road is father and son bonding time. The way we hang out is to give our best on the road for everyone who uses it. That's our unique way of spending time together. He loves laying the asphalt. He's never skipped a session. He comes with us every week. I feel happy filling in the holes in the road. Sunday is the day of rest. But for this pair, it's a chance to protect other road users' safety, with countless holes filled in over the years. Last year, the father won a National Bada Eight Virtues Award. This year, it's his son's turn. He's the first youth to receive the ethical gong. 
Let's all come together to do public service. Let's all gather our students and everyone who cares about society involved. We'll only have a happy and peaceful society with a virtuous circle. Chen Yeo plans to donate his prize money to a fund for rural students from low-income families to help them buy school uniforms. His heartfelt love of service is the greatest reward his dad could hope for. A new festival of lights has lit up the scenic area of Lishan and Guguan for the first time. This Christmas, Taiwan's highest Christmas trees sit on the ridge between Taichung and Nantou. And in valleys all around, artistic light shows make a winter wonderland of the countryside. High up on the mountain ridge, two 28-meter-tall cedars tower over Lishan Guest House. These are the most elevated Christmas trees in Taiwan. Their blinking colored lights are an unforgettable sight. I've been here so many times, and Lishan is really so beautiful this time. There's a giant Christmas tree. It's even more impressive than the one at Taipei 101. I want everyone to come up to our Lishan. This is the inaugural Festival of Lights at Guguan and Lishan. The festive atmosphere extends across Lishan Observation Deck, Maple Valley, the 1956 Flower Garden, and Koyat Sakura Affinity Hill parking area, where a sea of twinkling lights greet visitors. It's hard to pick the best photo spot. We came from Hualien. We've been coming 20 years. This is the first time it's like this. It's so exciting. Guguan Hot Springs Park has also been decked out in 10,000 LED lights and romantic designs to the delight of tourists. There's even a pumpkin carriage straight out of the story of Cinderella. The Festival of Lights continues until January 2nd. If you're looking for a romantic getaway, the hot springs of Lishan have never sparkled more brightly.